Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Story I am a park ranger at Yosemite National Park and I have been working here for a few years now. I love my job and the beauty of the park, but tonight... Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I was in for a real surprise. 
It was a warm summer night and the full moon was shining brightly in the sky. I was making my rounds when I stumbled upon a body of a park visitor. I immediately called my supervisor and they instructed me to wait for the authorities to arrive. As I stood there, I noticed strange scratches on the body and a foul smell that I couldn't quite place. I decided to take a closer look and I realized that this was no ordinary death. As I waited for the authorities, I couldn't shake off the feeling of unease that had settled in my gut. I felt the urge to explore the park and see if I could find anything else out of the ordinary. I decided to take a walk in the deep woods, away from the main trails, where I had never been before. As I walked, I heard the sound of owls hooting in the distance and the rustling of leaves under my feet. The moon shone down on me, illuminating my path. I walked for what felt like hours, until I stumbled upon a cabin. I approached it cautiously and found that it was abandoned. I searched the cabin, but found nothing of interest. As I was about to leave, I heard a rustling in the bushes. I froze and then slowly turned around, my heart pounding in my chest. That's when I saw it. A brown Sasquatch, with a scar across its face and yellow teeth, stood in front of me. I was paralyzed with fear, but then the Sasquatch lunged at me. I stumbled back and tripped over a log, falling to the ground. I scrambled to get up, but the Sasquatch was too quick for me. It grabbed me by the arm and dragged me deeper into the woods. I screamed for help, but no one came. As I lay there, I could feel the Sasquatch's hot breath on my face. I closed my eyes and prepared for the worst. But then, suddenly, the Sasquatch let go of me and disappeared into the darkness. I was too scared to move, but after a few minutes, I mustered up the courage to get up and run back to the cabin. I locked myself inside and called for help on my radio. Eventually, the authorities arrived and took me to safety. I told them what had happened and they launched a search for the Sasquatch. But it was never found. The event left a deep impact on me and I couldn't shake off the feeling that the Sasquatch was still out there, watching me. I eventually left my job as a park ranger and never returned to Yosemite National Park again. The memory of that night still haunts me to this day. A few years back, we were having a brutally cold winter. The snow had frozen into ice and covered everything. It was pitch black in the backyard when I went to let my dog outside one last time before bed that evening. As we exited the house from the sliding door of the walkout basement and onto the lower deck, I felt that something was off. Our house backs up to some woods, so I was accustomed to hearing noises from wildlife in the night. This night was different. Nothing made a sound except the arctic cold wind, but I had the feeling I was being watched. The entire time my dog was in the backyard, I looked around nervously, expecting a coyote or other predator to pop out of the tree line. My dog did his business, but afterwards stopped and stared at a corner of the woods until I got creeped out and called him back inside. I quickly locked the sliding door and shut the curtains, unable to shake the uneasy feeling I had outside. After double and triple checking all the locks in the house, I went to bed. Around 3 in the morning, I hear the muffled sound of my dog barking from the basement two floors below. I got up, 
stumbled down three flights of stairs and found him standing at the basement sliding door. He was peeking his head through the closed curtains, barking his head off with the hair standing up all along his back. I tried calling him away from the door, but he wouldn't let up. I dreaded peeking out the curtain to see what he was barking at after the uneasy feeling I had earlier in the night. Finally, I held my breath and swiped the curtain aside. I peered into the inky blackness, but saw nothing to cause any alarm. A wave of relief washed over me. I figured it must have been a deer or raccoon in the yard that set him off. He whined at the door for a few more minutes until I bribed him upstairs with a dog cookie. I went back to bed and wasn't disturbed again. That is, until the morning when I went to the basement to let out the dog. I opened the sliding door and walked out onto the deck as he bounded into the snow. My blood ran as cold as the sub-zero morning temperatures when I looked down. There, frozen into the ice on the deck, was a set of bare human footprints. They were very clear, I could make out each toe on the person's foot. The prints were large and appeared to be from an adult male. Looking around, I noticed they started at the base of the deck, went to the sliding door and the window of the basement living room, then seemed to disappear off the side of the deck. I had my snow boots on, so I walked around the yard but I could find no trace of the footprints in the snow once they left the deck. Keep in mind the daily temperatures that winter barely made it above 0F, and the wind chill made it feel close to 20 below. Frostbite would set in within a matter of minutes for anyone walking around barefoot, especially in the dead of night. I never experienced anything like that again, but I did adopt a second dog shortly thereafter. This was about 10 years ago with my boyfriend, who is now my husband, in the Blue Ridge Mountains of Virginia. His mom is a big-time hiker and was part of a hiking club that got awesome discounts on these very rustic cabins run by the state park. We decided to spend a weekend at one of them. The hike wasn't super far, probably a mile or so. The cabin was very bare bones. It had a deck off the back so we were hanging out back there when we heard it. To this day it was the strangest thing and so hard to describe. The sound was that of someone dropping something like a basketball, thumps that progressively became closer and closer together, like when a ball gets closer and closer to the ground. The weirdest part was the sense of vibration that seemed to come from below us or inside us. The first time it happened, we were weirded out but I thought maybe there was something underneath the deck or the house like a boiler or furnace even though there was no heat? That was being weird so we went down to check it out and there was nothing and then it happened again a couple more times and we got so scared we ran back inside and considered leaving. No one we've ever talked to has described something similar. Truly one of the weirdest things I've encountered. My family spent many summer camping. On one trip my brother and I, 7 and 10 years old respectively, were hiking with our parents at a state campground. We stopped because my parents wanted to scout out the trail ahead, which was actually going down a somewhat steep hill. As my brother and I stood at the top of the hill waiting, we looked at our feet and realized we were standing in a nest of bees that had made their home in the ground. It took us a moment to realize what was happening and then we took off running or screaming 
but we were already being attacked. Our parents gave chase and swatted the bees away, but we were both stung at least 15 to 20 times. Was a pretty traumatic experience at the time. Today, I have no fear of bees or the outdoors though. Beyond that, probably seeing my youngest daughter bite it hard while we were on a bike ride whilst camping. She was a real trooper though and carried on once she got cleaned up. The summer of 2008 was a rough time to graduate from college. I had just spent four years getting a degree only to find that the job market had all but dried up. As bummed out as I was about being unemployed for the foreseeable future I found a deep appreciation for backcountry camping and hiking that summer. Growing up in the Rocky Mountains and graduating from a college in western Montana I was not a stranger to hiking or camping. But that summer it became an escape to the point of an obsession. Going on daily hikes and camping beneath the stars really helped my mental health while I worried about my life's purpose and my future. It was June and unseasonably cold, wet, and cloudy. The daytime highs barely touched 50 degrees and at night it dropped below freezing. Despite the weather, I had planned to hike around the Anaconda Range that week and I wasn't going to let that deter me. My plan for the week, funny enough, was to hike from Storm Lake over Storm Lake Pass and down to Upper Seymour Lake. Storm Lake, actually an alpine reservoir, is a challenge to get to and requires a 4x4 pickup and some skilled driving. The road is a narrow two-track winding its way through thick pine forests. The way was slick with rain, but I made it to the top with little heartburn. I set up camp on the north shore of the lake and decided to do some fishing. The fishing was miserable. It was cold and nothing was biting. But the best thing about bad fishing is that my thoughts were free to wander while I sat on the shore. The rain was a constant light drizzle and created a natural white noise. Time passed and my daydreams were cut short as a low rumble from up the canyon overtook the sounds of the rain. The rumbling was not unlike a distant diesel engine. There are no roads that go beyond where I was camped. No machinery or vehicles could be up that canyon. Maybe it's a plane? I thought, looking up into the rain clouds. But the sound wasn't getting closer or farther away. And the sound wasn't above me. It came from beyond the lake and up into the canyon. The sound was stationary and constant. This was most certainly not a plane, or a truck, or a bulldozer. All of this wasn't outright scary, but nonetheless my hair stood on end while I sat there listening. After 20 minutes the rumbling faded away and I was left again with only the sound of raindrops. Soon enough I caught a decent sized trout, cleaned it, and headed back to camp to get ready for dinner. The fish cooked up fine, but to be honest, I hate trout. It's edible, sure, but totally unappetizing. They taste like mud. I ate as much as I could stand and tossed the rest into the lake. Building up my fire for the night, I sat back to enjoy the evening with a bit of whiskey. Night came fast. The mountain ridges put the sun to bed early and the rain clouds obscured the starlight. It was dark. Really dark. The sounds of a crackling, warm fire and the rain bouncing off my tent were a great comfort and starting to lull me to sleep. I reminded myself I needed to build up the fire before bed. 
I walked over to my pile of scavenged firewood and grabbed an armful. Being away from the fire's crackling I could pick up that all too familiar rumbling rising in the background. It was growing louder than before. And closer. I may have had a few too many pulls of whiskey and was tired and grouchy. This noise was ruining my camping trip and my buzz. Frustrated, I yelled into the blackness of the night hey. Shut the F up. A hole. Like a switch being flipped the rumbling stopped. And so did the rain. My heart skipped a beat. I realized that was not a convenient coincidence. There was an intelligence out there. Something sentient. Observing me and responding to my screams. And I wasn't getting the most positive vibes from it. I threw all the logs on the fire and retreated back to my tent. More on edge than ever I just sat there. Listening. Listening to the fire crackling, to my rapid breathing, and beyond that to the silence of the darkness. Before this moment I had felt alone but safe. Now I felt alone and vulnerable. Beyond where the firelight faded I felt there were a million eyes in that dark watching me. My paranoia began to subside when the rain suddenly started again. Not a drizzle, but a massive downpour. I was glad I had built up the fire or it would have been snuffed out for sure. My tent was being pushed down by the force of the storm. I thought about bailing to the truck, but knew I'd be soaked to the bone instantly. Risking injury or death over getting wet is the kind of logic only whiskey can produce. I could feel the rainwater pooling and moving under my tent. This storm wasn't letting up. The urge to get in the pickup and drive away was ever more tantalizing. I could get my stuff tomorrow in the daylight and spend a few nights in town. But I'd had a bit too much to drink. Driving, especially on that slick, muddy two-track road, would have been a death sentence. But I still needed a safer place to sleep than a wimpy tent. Grabbing what I could I ripped open the tent flaps and ran for the truck. I was soaking wet by the time I settled into the driver's seat and locked the doors. Turning the heat on full blast, I hoped that would dry me out. It was going to be a miserable night though. I reclined my chair and tried to calm my thoughts with deep breaths. The rain wasn't letting up. I was warm from the heater. And I was riding the crest of a good whiskey buzz. The fire was still raging despite the rain and kept the campsite well lit. I remember the truck's clock reading 1.06 am. I blinked. It was only a moment, but when I opened my eyes the rain had stopped. It was foggy and quiet. The once raging campfire was just embers, and there was morning twilight to the east. The truck's clock now read 5.45 am. It was morning. That couldn't be right. Almost five hours gone in the blink of an eye. I must have passed out. My head was killing me. I didn't feel like I had drank that much to justify that kind of hangover. I turned off the truck and stepped out to survey the night's damage. My tent was completely flattened. The tent poles were shattered to pieces. Everything was soaking wet. Smothering the remains of the fire I dragged all my junk to the pickup and tossed it into the bed. My hike over the pass wasn't happening today, that was for sure. It was around 6.30 am before I finished picking up camp. As I climbed into the cab of my truck I heard the rumbling again through the morning fog. I drove out of there as fast as I could down that muddy bobsled track of a road. Not once looking in the rearview mirror once. I have never been back to Storm Lake.
I probably never will. It was way after quiet hours and this guy was blasting his music at a pretty disruptive volume. I finally went over to ask him to turn it down and I have to do the unthinkable and walk up into his campsite. I get his attention and he turns to look at me and he has a headlamp on, so he can see me but I can't see him, and I'm suddenly feeling more like a 140 pounds woman than ever. I say hey, I wasn't sure if you knew how late it is, but we can hear your music from across the campground. He starts rambling about how he'll turn it off and how he wants to be his best, keeps saying I just want to be the best I can be. I apologized and said goodnight and went walking away, but I heard him walking after me so I put out my flashlight and started walking faster. I fell off the campground road into a huge sagebrush and got all cut up but I just laid there in the dark until I could tell where he was, saw him at his campsite, then pulled myself out of the sagebrush and ran back to our site. He was probably harmless but I did not enjoy that encounter at all. Slept with my mallet in my hand all night. Another time we got a tip about a cool hot spring somewhere up in the mountains. It was up a super washed out road, no room to turn around so I kept having to move fallen trees out of the road to get there. The whole area had been got by a wildfire a few years ago so it was a pretty unusual sight. Nobody was at the hot spring but there was a car there with four flats, tons of stuff in it, expired tabs. One of us wanted to camp there and the other two of us were like no, absolutely not. The vibes were too weird. We got packed up fast and took off to another campsite about 90 minutes down the mountain. I had nightmares all night. We got a name off a piece of mail in the car, it was unlocked, and looked him up to see if he was missing or anything, but he seemed to be doing fine. So I had convinced this chick I knew to go on a random camping trip outside of Castle Rock, Colorado. Like many places in Colorado you can usually just kinda drive up into the mountains and eventually find a spot off of a 4x4 trail that's not what I would call glamping or for that matter even reserved. Depending on how crazy you want a 4x4 depends on how isolated you will be. This was unfamiliar territory for me so the plan ended up putting us in an area that wasn't exactly tame but it also wasn't like sleeping in your truck at 13000 feet and hearing weird noises like drums, that's another story. Anyways we are not really around anyone or at least when we set up I didn't think we were. So Rachel and I set up camp let our hair down and had a few drinks. Maybe mo more than a few because she starts talking like she is in a Shakespeare play. Anyways it starts getting late and our phones are on dead but I was able to recall that this honking probably started around 10 and maybe stopped around 230 or 3. I slept in my rent and she slept in the back of the truck despite my almost being seduced back there with her. How it started was basically random honking. It's hard to gauge sometimes how far away things are in the mountains can be because sound can travel so far. That being said the honking was definitely not an alarm. The second curiosity was that it was seemingly spaced out in a time frame that seemed random. At first my mind was like hmm. Then it was okay this is BS then it was concern. Maybe this person is in danger. Are they dying and need assistance? Maybe a bear. 
But ultimately what if this is some sort of a serial killer and do I really want to go driving around at 3 in the morning trying to found the answer? Before the start of the pandemic, I hiked a few miles to one of my favorite spots for the weekend. It sits in a valley next to a moderately tall waterfall, which is also a bit loud if you stay too close to it, for myself at least. Sometime later in the day, I'm just relaxing after my hike when someone else stops by to see the waterfall before continuing on. We chatted a bit and they told me about two weeks earlier, someone fell off the falls and died in the night. This is the first time it's happened, but it was definitely the most recent an incident had been to me being there. They went on their way and I enjoyed the rest of my evening. In the middle of the night, I'm woken up by my tent suddenly being pushed on top of me. I'm panicking to get out of my sleeping bag so I can figure out what is happening. Was it a person? An animal? The ghost of the person who fell off the falls? Nah, just super super strong winds pushing up the falls and into the valley. The waterfall was loud enough that I couldn't tell the wind was that strong by the sound. Scared me absolutely senseless but I laughed it off eventually. Backpacking slash camping with my family of four near a river in a remote canyon in very wild area last summer was quite blissful until waking up around 2am to a very distressing sound. We were sleeping in our hammocks very close to the river and about 40 feet behind us was a tall canyon wall. The sound made me think of an injured animal that was very cat-like. It was coming from behind us towards the wall of the canyon. It was regular occurring like clockwork every 15 to 20 seconds. We shined flashlights and spoke very loudly in hopes of frightening it away from us. There was no moon out and we could see very little but shining our flashlights around revealed nothing as well. It sounded so very close. Our efforts did not work at all and it seemed relentless and unfazed by us in every way. I worried it was rabbit or hurt. At one point I heard it near the river on the other side of us and was incredibly confused as to how it was able to move around without us hearing it. I sat on the edge of my hammock until dawn with my knife in hand, waiting for a wild sick animal to come out of the bushes at any moment and I have to fight for our lives. Finally around dawn the sounds got less frequent and eventually stopped. After hiking out, we googled many different animal sounds and the closest we could find to what we were hearing was a mountain lion mating call. Definitely lions in that area, so I believe that's what we heard. Still confused as to why it stayed so very close to us and was not scared away as most wild animals would be. We have seen black bear in this area many times and they have always run the other way on seeing humans and cats are even more elusive. My buddies and I take a canoe camping trip every year where we camp on some islands on the river for a couple nights. First night was a perfectly clear night. Had a great time hanging out, but knew there was a threat of a storm the next night so we spent some of the night trying to figure out do we paddle all the way back the next day or set up camp further down the river. We decided the latter the next morning because the forecast kept pushing the storm back as the day went on. We get to camp set up, and get dinner going. As dinner is finishing up, the storm appears over the mountains across the river so we all huddle in the tent. 
The most violent wind and rain I've ever experienced. We had to hold our tent walls up because they were being caved in by the wind. We're all thinking of a tree falls on us, we're all done. Storm lasts about 40 minutes, and then it's done. Campsite was not flooded by the river but was just flooded by the rain. Killed the rest of the night and we just all went to bed at like 8 p.m. Woke up and canoe the rest of the way back the next morning to find about a half mile down the river trees had been blown over and fallen uphill. No confirmation that it was, but we think we missed a macro or micro burst by about a half mile. My boyfriend, Jason and I went on a month-long camping trip to multiple states. Everything had been going really well, until October 9th, we decided to ditch a campground reservation and randomly pitch our tent near Albion Basin within the Uinta Mountains, Alta, Utah, not far off the Keckert Lake trailhead. We parked our car around 3 p.m. at the Albion Basin campground, closed for season. Admittedly it was a little tense because this was our first dispersed camping attempt and we had no proper backpacking gear. Upon arrival we realized the area we wanted to pitch our tent was about 2 miles uphill. At this point, we started to express regret as we had a planned campsite in Nephi, Utah that we decided to skip on a whim. After grumping around a bit and having a large lunch to avoid packing food, we packed our backpacks with the best gear we had to get through the night as it was going to be 25 Fahrenheit. We set out up the trail, seeing the occasional family or couple heading down the mountain. As we trudged on, we both started to feel strange, as if we did not really even know why we were doing this, as if we should have just gotten a hotel instead of trying to play backpackers for the night, but we both felt like we had something to prove so we continued. Fast forward we made it up to Keckert Lake. Totally empty so nothing like the pictures, disappointing, and eerie. Whatever, we keep hiking up and up in an attempt for seclusion and flat land when we stumble across a decent space. I see a small cave in the distance and point it out to Jason to deliberate if it's a hell no kind of situation, but after he checked it out he says it seems like a small animal crawl space, no biggie. We set up as nightfall was quickly approaching, play some cards, bundle up, and decide to go to bed early around 8.30pm as we plan to leave ASAP in the morning, maybe 5am. We both dwindle slowly, and after what feels like 30 minutes, I woke up abruptly at 11.24pm. I woke up with a feeling I have never experienced before. I woke up wide awake, scared but unprovoked and as if there was no way in hell I was going to fall back asleep, when I always sleep through the night. Jason was asleep so I let him be and just lie there, alert, trying to listen to anything I could hear, which was nothing, very silent. Around 12 AM, Jason woke up stirring, much to my delight as I did not want to feel alone anymore. I told him I could not sleep, but he suggested I just rest my eyes as we were leaving early in the morning. I agreed, initially not wanting to be a baby and say I was very scared. This was very short-lived as Jason could not fall back asleep himself and we ended up laying there together trying to sleep when I ended up blurting out I was scared. We agreed it fine for us to just stick it through the night as it was now approaching 2.30 am and we had a small axe and a pellet gun for protection, so I did not need to be frightened. 
Not even five minutes later, we are still wide awake and Jason's head perks up so fast my heart jumped out of my chest and I whispered, what is it? He replied, listen and I shit you not. We distinctly heard the sound of gravel crunching under boots as if someone walked up to our tent, stopped, and then walked to my side of the tent. I felt the blood drain out of my face in an instant. In real time, this all occurred in no more than 10 seconds, but my mind flashed a million thoughts and for a millisecond I was convinced it was a ranger coming to tell us we could not camp there, so I called out, hello? My brain entirely sure I heard human footsteps. Within two to three seconds of hearing the footsteps, Jason grabbed the gun and bursted out of the tent for any chance to confront this person, as I knew he heard exactly what I had heard. Nothing. There was nothing there. As soon as Jason bursted out, and me after him, there was nothing there. We heard something walk up so clearly, but nothing walked away. Hardly exchanging two words, we packed up our stuff looking over our shoulders terrified, feeling watched, and booked it down the mountain with only moonlight guiding our way, too scared to turn on our flashlights. This was the worst 20 to 30 minutes of my life, half expecting to look over my shoulder to find someone following us. When we made it to our car we locked the doors and started the descent out of the mountains almost speechless and scared out of our minds. At this point we reached town about 3.30 am and slept in a well-lit parking lot of a grocery store. We have obviously since discussed what happened that night and we are both haunted by the sound of those footsteps. I had gone camping with two friends of mine in the desert above a dry lake bed. At night, the moon was so bright that you could see pretty well around the campsite. We could see a few other camps on the other side of the lake bed but definitely not close enough to hear anyone from those camps. I decided to not attach the rain fly to my tent to enjoy the view of the stars that night. I ended up waking up around 3.45 am, couldn't go back to sleep for some time, just tossing and turning. I could very clearly hear both of my friends snoring, when I hear a whisper say you awake. In one of my friends voices. I didn't hear any footsteps to or from the camp but I stayed awake for another hour or so after hearing that. When everyone eventually woke up the next morning, even though I knew the answer, I asked my friends if either of them woke up around 3.45 and asked if I was awake. Both of them slept through the night. Me and four of my buddies drew into a two-day hunt on a reserve. Day one about 8.30 in the morning about 500 yards from my spot my buddy filmed a fat black bear. We only had muzzle loaders. They're like a Civil War style gun you get one shot then you gotta reload with the ramrod and stuff. I never saw any deer so at 2pm after lunch me and another buddy scout for a new spot. We find a hellacious animal trail and he drops me off. I tell him pick me up he'll be on the road after dark. Hess about 7 miles away. I sit there from 2pm till dark all I see are loads of elk. The trail wasn't deer it was elk highway. So it gets dark and I creep down to the road. Right at dusk almost too dark to see something crashes in the thick bushes about 30 yards in front of me across the road. I think hmm maybe it's a deer. So I grunt call just to get a reaction. Nothing. So I creep on it thinking I can bust it if it's a deer. 
It doesn't budge he just sniffin' like a dog. Sniff sniff sniff. I kick the ground and stomp trying to bump it. It just keeps sniffin'. I remember that bear and him 10 feet from whatever this is. I slowly back into a feed plot behind me with my one shot at my hip. I'm gonna have to hip shoot it if it's a bear. I get 50 yards in the middle of a field plot a big bull elk off to my right in the full moonlight. I see something drive out of the bushes into the thicket across the road to my left so I run further out. It's a standoff. I shine my light into the thicket and I see eyes reflecting back they look 8 inches apart 4 foot off ground it's just sniffing over and over. Im like where's my bro? It's full dark and this thing is stalking me using cover. My buddy lights start shinning down the road and this thing crashes through the bushes away. I figure it's a bear but I don't know. I was turtle heading him not gonna lie. I had one shot in the dark. Coyotes howling like crazy too. Predators were out in full effect on the full moon night. Flash flood in the middle of the night at Hunter's Canyon near Moab, Utah. We were camped near the riverbed which was about 4 feet deep and 20 feet across. Before the sun set there were about 2 inches of water maybe. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. One to two feet across trickling through. It was only lightly raining but by midnight the entire riverbed was full. Some of our friends we were camping with had let their two boys pitch a tent on the other side of the river and the water was lapping at their tent and they weren't sure if the boys knew what was happening. Fortunately, the river stopped before it consumed their tent. Nearby us a dirt road that led to a lot of other camping places crossed the river. It was the first night of spring break for a bunch of colleges and so there were a lot of people coming in late trying to get to campsites. A huge line started to build up of cars waiting for the river to go down so they could cross. One guy with a minivan decided to wade out into the river to see how deep it was, to see if he could cross. All of a sudden he yelled s. We thought maybe he had slipped and was going to be carried away, but it turns out he had been carrying his keys in his hand and dropped them. We helped him look for them for a while, but eventually gave up. He ended up having to get the minivan towed into town a few days later. I don't think the keys got washed too far away, because we would periodically hear the minivan beep or honk, like the fob was in range and was being short-circuited by the water.
At the time, I was a 20-year-old female, and I had just moved alone to a small town in upstate New York. I had grown up in another, slightly larger town, about 60 miles away, and just wanted a new start. I love camping, often go camping in the Adirondacks, but at that time I hadn't yet made friends to go camping with, so I wasn't going to go into the real woods alone. Down the road from me, I had been walking and found an area where the power lines cut through a wooded section. The power lines were perpendicular to the road. It was near a house, but far enough to the right of the house where I thought people wouldn't mind if I walked up the trail that the power lines make, not sure about other countries, but in the US they keep power lines clear in case maintenance is necessary. So, I wander up there, noticing how it's actually pretty deep woods and I can get far enough from the house that I saw on the road that they couldn't possibly think I'm trying to break in or anything. Bing. Idea. I could go camping up here. It's secluded enough to give the real woods experience but close enough to the road that I wouldn't be in real danger of wildlife or anything. Okay, sweet. So I do. I set up camp in this little clearing that I accessed by climbing the hill, following the power lines, then turned left onto what seemed to be a deer trail, deer are everywhere in New York, then I came upon this really nice, flat, grassy clearing. I built my fire off to the side, after making sure to clear the dead wood, etc. I'm feeling really smart and independent. It was creepy to sleep in the woods alone, as I had always had at least one camping companion, but hey, whatever. Next day, I decide to wander further down the path to see where it leads. I walk for about a half hour, and I can see some fields on the right but they are in the distance and there is a fence between the fields and the path, so again I figure people can't be mad at me being here. Then I come across another path, heading to the right. I follow it. A couple of feet in, it curves slightly and there is an old van on the left of the path. Well, that's strange, but it's about 1 p.m., near noon anyway, broad daylight, birds are chirping, so I feel no danger. I go up to the van, which had obviously been there a very long time. It was 70s style, made me think of Scooby-Doo van, and way overgrown with weeds. There are streaks of brownish red going down the side, from the bottom of the doors. I look in, and see what appears to be old bedding in the back, but it was all shredded, the curtains and the windows were shredded, and the clothing strewn about looked like it was from the 70s or early 80s. I still felt no danger signs. Snickering at the terrible fashions back in the day, I continue along the path for a short time. Until I finish rounding the slight bend. I stop dead in my tracks. Finally, my reptile sense, or whatever you want to call it, wakes the hell up and starts screaming at me, full volume. Up ahead, there is a creepy ass doll hanging from the trees. By its neck. With a rope, not just stuck in the trees. Just to the left of that, there is an old garage, overgrown with weeds. To the right of it, though, there is this huge cage-like structure, easily big enough to hold a full-sized man. It seems to be made up of pipes and other long metal objects, just kind of welded together, some were up and down, some were across, and the squares they made weren't big enough to fit my head through, not that I tried. It had four sides and a ceiling. It had other creepy-ass dolls hanging from it. 
It also had reddish-brown stains running down the sides, just like the van. Further, behind it, there is a run-down house. Creeped out as all hell, I just turned tail and ran. I am not a runner. I am a chunky girl, I had smoked for six years at that point, and I do not run. But I ran that day, I don't even remember the run, I just remember coming upon my campsite, grabbing my tent in one swoop as I ran past, luckily I had put my things into the tent, ripping it out of the ground as I continued running. I left my cooler, my food, behind. Never went back for it, either. I dropped the tent stakes somewhere along the way, and I had to repair rips in my tent. I tore down the hill, I'm still surprised I didn't break my neck, jumped in my car and sped home. I locked all my doors, then paced my house going what the f? What the f? For hours. It's been 11 years since that incident, and even typing it now makes my hands shake. I now live almost 1,400 miles away, but I still just made sure my doors were locked, they are. Crazy thing is, it wasn't in deep woods. Maybe in the 70s it was though, who knows. As it stands now, though, there are people living within a short walk of this place. And no, I know you are going to ask, no I didn't call the cops. I can't really articulate why. My best analysis, looking back, is that I didn't want that creep to come find me. I should have, yes. You are right. I am hoping that it was just an old crime scene, not some sick F who still keeps people in cages in the woods. So, crazy man or woman who built a human-sized cage in the woods and thinks hanging dolls is good feng shui, let's not meet. I was camping with four friends in Chile. After a long day exploring we went back to our campsite and ate mushrooms. After four plus hours, only three of us were still up when one of the guys, who I had only met that day, fainted. I went to pick him up and his eyes were glazed over, rolling into back of his head. I held him up and tried to keep him awake but he passed out again. The other friend who was still up was out of it, still tripping, I was too for sure, but I managed to get him to wake the other two. We finally got the guy to drink a coke and eat some candy, apparently it was a blood sugar thing cause he eventually started to come to and made it to his tent. After he got situated my heart was still racing and then I fainted, taking a table down with me. I came around but was told it wasn't a pretty sight. Eventually I passed out and next day was okay but everyone was pretty shook about what had happened. To set the scene it was last Sunday November 27th, and I'm walking through the woods to avoid interacting with guests like the average antisocial teenager I am. I have one of my uncle's dogs with me, Duke a 150 pound Great Dane, as we're passing through a clearing. I state the size and breed of dog to demonstrate how out of character his behavior will be. As we get about halfway through the clearing he begins to walk slower and begin to whine. I assume he hurt his paw so I check him over, but find nothing. I turn around and in my flashlight beam I can see a pair of eyes about 4 feet off the ground, significantly taller than anything with eye shine in my area. I, understandably, freak the hell out and start to back away. Then the most horrifying thing happens, it stands up. 
whatever was watching me is now over six feet tall. And then, it talked. It said help with no emotion or cadence behind it. Duke is losing his mind trying to get away and I decide that it is a reasonable plan. As we're running through the forest trying to get back to our house I can hear the creature saying help, help, help always with five seconds apart. We mercifully make it back to the house and get inside. For the next few nights if I looked out my window I could still see those same eyes gazing into my soul from the woods. I don't know if it was a skinwalker, a wendigo or what the hell there was, but I hope I never see it again. To answer some questions you may have, the people saying the dog is insane for being 250 pounds, they are telling the truth. There was a typo wherein I accidentally typed 250 instead of 150. This occurred in northern Oklahoma. There was no discernible gender to the voice. There was no discernible evidence when I went back the next day. This past March of 2022 my girlfriend and I went on a camping trip headed into Clearwater, Florida. She found some remote free campsite called 17 Mile Hunt or something, inside the Osceola National Forest, the closer we got to this place the more bad feelings I was starting to get. Upon arrival we instantly notice a missing person flyer on the post. So now my gut is really throwing me red flags at this point. We drive down the road into the area looking for a spot, it was empty as far as we knew which was also very creepy to me. So, we start to set out our camp. When I'm almost done setting up the tent this man approaches us and says you guys aren't worried about the missing person. And I'm like us should we be worried? His body language was really off and he was asking us really weird questions do you have a gun or a weapon? I told him we did and was just trying to get him to go away by being short and brief with him. He eventually invited us over to smoke a joint with him later after I told him I needed to finish setting up before dark. As soon as he walked away I threw all my shit in the car and we went to a hotel for the night instead. I had a really bad feeling something bad was going to happen to us and I didn't want to stick around to find out. I grew up 10 kilometers outside of a small village, in mid-north Sweden. Close by a lake and I played and biked around in these woods all through my life. I always had a kind of creepy feeling but I know these areas so well. One night five years ago me and two friends walked out through the woods, pitch black outside we just used our phone lights to see the trails to go sit by the lake and smoke. On our way back we see some flashing waving lights in the corner of the eye maybe 50 meters away. No sound at all. We don't hear no people, no footsteps or sticks being broken and then it disappear. And I think I read somewhere on Reddit before about similar experiences. The thing is where our house is there is almost no neighbors I have no idea who or what that was. Our house is located close to the lake with almost a swamp close to it. Lots of weird noises and things growing up in nature like that. Edit. I mean there is a few houses around us with a couple of kilometers in between but this was during winter and past midnight. Just us in nature and that weird light. This is probably not a very exciting story to read, but it was spooky for me at the time. 
I got turned around while looking for a campground. The place that I had thought was the campground entrance had shut down more than a year earlier because of pandemic, so I was out on some backwoods mountain forest road with barely any cell service, no clue where I was, and hadn't passed another human being in miles. I just kept driving down the same road through the woods until I eventually found a gravel parking lot for a hiking trail where I could pull over and try to look at a map. That's all just to set up that I was in a very remote spot, very far from the main road, and there were no people around anywhere. I hadn't seen a person or another car in at least half an hour. I stopped right in the middle of the parking lot, since no one was around, and started trying to pull up a map on my phone. The windows to my car were down. Right away I heard footsteps crunching on the gravel, walking over to my car, and my immediate thought was that there must have been a park ranger watching the parking lot and they were coming over to ask me if I needed help. When the footsteps were close to my car, I looked up from my phone to ask for directions, and, nobody was there. Nobody was anywhere around me. I didn't hear any more footsteps either, like from a deer running away. I mentioned I was in the middle of an empty gravel lot, so if an animal had walked up to my car, I'm pretty sure I would have seen or heard it run off. There was just nobody there. I was really freaked out and immediately rolled my windows up and drove all the way back the way I came until I found the main road and made it all the way to an actual human town before I was brave enough to pull over and mess with the map again. I don't believe in ghosts but I have no idea what to make of what happened. Maybe a squirrel was under my car so I heard it come up but then couldn't see it? It was so freaky in the moment though. My wife and I hiked and camped quite a bit before we had our first kid, now one year old. Some backpacking, but mostly car camping that requires a good drive down a forest service road, to escape people and noise. In 2016, we decided, after three nights in a national forest and adjacent national park, we'd stay at AFS campsite. A change from dispersed camping. A ways from any town, but still a campsite with a bathroom. We had a wonderful time during the day. Swam in a lake. Yada yada. Awesome place. The campsite was mostly busy but with small families. One noteworthy group, loudish people, though well out of sight on the other side of a stand of trees. They brought many cars of all types, at least those that could drive down the road, non-paved for a good two miles, not bad though. But whatever. Let people have fun. I didn't care about the noise. Come night. We go to bed early, no fire as we wake up early to hike before the sun beats down. The group is still loud. My wife does the earplugs. I'm able to ignore it and sleep. No problem. Come 1am. I wake up, perhaps due to the group noise, I don't know. I can hear fewer of them, maybe four to five people that were audible. Enough to make out every fourth or fifth word. Loud drunkenness, but it was initially friendly. Cursing, laughing. Next thing I hear a guy call a lady a cunt. And shit goes downhill from there. Now they are yelling expletives that I can mostly make out because of the yelling. Woman and men both telling each other to F off. Luckily my wife is still out sleeping. Out of this mess of people yelling, a woman just starts screaming. Shrieking. 
Something changed and happened to her. This wasn't just someone joining the verbal fight. This was the first time my heart rate went up. WTF is happening? Even while others in the group are still yelling, I can tell the shrieking girl is moving away from the group but is still yelling loud. Like distorting your voice yelling. Her yells turn into words help as she moves. And F. I can begin tell she is getting closer to the tent side area where I am. Pause real quick, let me give the layout of my campsite, which is key. Around one bend of a large lake, there are several camp areas, which means multiple 6 to 12 campsite pods, each accessible by a walking trail. There is an area to park with each campsite near each trail. The dirt road swings around the lake, to each parking area. This yelling group was in the pod next to mine, not the same campsite. Screaming girl is getting closer, but it's hard to yell. Then her screams for help become clear, where I'm able to make out, help someone is trying to stab me. I can hear her move from the road to the parking area where my car is parked, coming closer to the trailhead that connects to my campsite. In my head, F, don't come to the trail, don't come to the trail. My tent is the first one once you enter the trail. My wife is sleeping through the yelling still. I might sound like an asshole for not jumping up and playing the hero here, but F that. I'm not touching drunk people drama. Sure enough, she starts down the trail. The trail splits and I'm on the right. I'm thinking, go left go left. My wife is starting to wake up, pulls out the earplug. I turn to her, it's okay, it's okay. Nope. Yelling girl turns right. Walks right up to our tent. Stands next to it, help me, can you please help me? She is sobbing. I get up first and open the tent. In the twilight and the light from the girl's phone, I can see she is a teenager. Drunk as hell. Not bleeding or stabbed luckily. I'm tired and don't respond well, sputtering a bit. Saying things like I don't know. We can't. My wife pops up and handles the situation like a boss. Calming her down. Asking her name. Sitting her down on the picnic table. De-escalating. Take a second. Imagine waking up to someone screaming help at 1am next to your tent. Not sure how my wife handled that so well. The short version of girl's story, she is 16. Her cousin got jealous about hugging her boyfriend, threatened and maybe tried to stab the 16-year-old. All were drinking. Meanwhile we can hear people over in the campsite continuing to rage, yelling at each other, it is now mostly just two guys yelling at each other. My wife instructs the girl to drink water, and stay away from her cousin, they were going over options, I'm trying to use either of our phones, wife's and mine, to call police. No signal. T-Mobile. Luckily, other campers have woken up, and come to our area. They have a signal and call the police, thank God. The girl has calmed down at this point and wants to leave. We are all weary as we can still hear the dudes screaming at each other. The girl abruptly leaves. Wife and I, plus two other campers are standing in the parking area, near the trail, whiffing about it all. The dudes yelling in the background escalates to a fist fight. You can hear skin slaps like someone got popped. Falling into bushes. Shouting. The four of us sitting there, waiting for the police. This goes on for a while. 
30 minutes and no police, understandable given the location. Suddenly the 16-year-old girl comes back. She is half a fifth of vodka in her hand. Now she is cursing. I'm gonna F her up. I have guns. My mom has a gun at the house. My wife and the two campers whip out their negotiation skills and talk her down. Wife gets 16-year-old to give up the bottle and sit on the ground. Do you think messing her up is a good decision right now? I'm looking at my wife like, is that gonna work? Girl is like, no. Lol, I'm such a loser with my capabilities right now. I play no useful role in all of this. The teenager then reveals that her mom is on the tribal council. She said everyone in the group is going to be in trouble over this. I didn't realize, but apparently that is important shit to people in that area. Guys in background still yelling, a second fist fight ensues. Police finally get there. Story speeds up, in short, police get the story told to them. I see eyebrows go up when the girl mentions who her mom is. They, seemingly reluctant, pack teenager into the car, and as soon as they move her into the car, she screams violently. Doors close and you can still hear that screaming. Fighting dudes or group must have seen the lights as that commotion stops. Police talk to them. Cops leave with the girl. Then it's quiet. Close to 3 a.m. Shaken, the wife and I go back to our tent, and discuss next steps. Should we stay? Decided we were leave first thing in the morning. But while lying there as if to sleep, only five minutes later, the group again begins to shout at each other. Expletives, more along the lines of we're messed and F you. Nope, we're out. So, in the dark, we quietly pack the car. For some reason, wife and I were concerned the group will hear us. The tent goes and unfolded. Fast. Once everything is in, when we start the car, suddenly one of the dudes from the fighting group sprints over to our parking lot like he is about to stop us. First time seeing him, shirtless skinny guy in shorts. I accelerate quickly toward him, he is in the middle of the lot, then turn toward the road and get out of there. Nearly three hours of driving back to the city. My boyfriend and I were on an epic camping trip to the Yukon one summer a couple years back. We decided to check out this cute town called Atlan and stay the night at a campsite we hadn't originally planned to stay at was recommended by our campsite neighbor earlier in the trip. It was a long day of driving and we had about an hour of light to set up camp and make dinner, and it was very misty and looked like rain. The site was the last one down this long road that had many sites along the way, but we were the only ones for a few kilometers. We had set up the tent by this time and were getting dinner ready, when somewhere close in the forest we heard a loud crashing noise. While being in northern northern British Columbia, my BF freaks the F out thinking it's a bear running through the forest to eat us. He screams quick. It's a bear. Get in the car. We both jumped in the car and locked the doors behind us. After a few minutes of deep breathing, we realized it was probably just a tree falling or something. We got out of the car looked around, nothing was around. But the eerie, on edge feeling didn't go away so we decided to skip the campfire that night and settle into our tent. Laying our anxious heads down we were thinking we wouldn't sleep at all that night. 
Thankfully there was a babbling creek right next to us, which lulled us to sleep. Surprisingly the best sleep of the trip. Me and my two other friends, all 19, decided to do some kayak backcountry camping along a lake but we weren't sure exactly where the spots were from the lake since they are only marked from the trail in the woods. So we decided to hike in first and find it so we knew where it was. We hiked the two miles in during a light drizzle and found camp, left our packs and a cooler and hiked back to our kayaks. Loaded up the kayaks with firewood and two of us took the kayaks, one was tied to my buddy's kayak, and set off for camp while my other buddy hiked back. A storm was rolling in and the water was super choppy and it was getting dark but we had to take it really slow so we didn't flip. We got to camp safely though and set up during a short break in the rain. We were all hammock camping and found a cluster of trees so we could all be closer together and hang out while it rained throughout our trip. That first night it started off as a calm drizzle but around 3am we all woke up to the loudest thunder and brightest lightning of our lives. Scared to death, we just talked about how we were going to die. Lightning, thunder and 30 miles per hour wind gusts. I was praying a tree didn't fall on us, we kept hearing limbs fall. Eventually I just accepted that if I die, I die and from 6am to 10am I got some of the best sleep of my life. Woke up the next morning to all of my gear that was under my tarp soaked because it fell off the hook and a wash was under our setup. To this day it's one of my favorite camping trips. Fair warning, this story involves a battle with food poisoning. Maybe don't read this one over your lunch. A few years ago, I loaded a bunch of camping gear onto my bicycle and spent the better part of the next 7 months riding 5,300 miles, 8,500 kilometers, around much of the US and I did this trip solo. One day in southern Washington state, I stopped for lunch at a fast food place on my way through a small town. As I continued biking in the afternoon, something definitely felt a bit off in my stomach, but it didn't slow me down too much. At night, I most often preferred to wild camp, simply finding somewhere to disappear into the woods at night, somewhere people were unlikely to find me and even less likely to care that I was there. I usually start looking for a campsite an hour before dusk, and on this particular evening, I had no trouble finding my spot. I start going through my usual evening routine. Set up the tent, make my bed, change my clothes, write my final journal entry of day the day, and then lights out not long after the last natural light. But pedaling 80 pounds, 36 kilograms, of bike and camping gear all day every day is hungry work, so usually that routine is accompanied by copious amounts of snacking. On this particular night, however, I had little appetite. Laying down in bed did not do my stomach well. My mild aches quickly turned to more severe cramps, followed by waves of nausea. Feeling like I was about to throw up, I'd sit up in bed, hand on the zipper of my tent door, ready to lean out to vomit. But after sitting up for a few minutes, I'd feel better, and so I'd lay back down. After a few minutes, though, the uneasiness would return. Eventually, around 11.30, I finally threw up, 
and thankfully I managed to get the door open in time. I used some water from one of my bottles to rinse out my mouth, drank some more water to help replenish the fluids I'd lost, and then laid back down. Feeling much better, I managed to get a couple hours of sleep. I woke again around 1.30, and the whole song and dance began again. Sit up, ready to open the door. Feel better after a few minutes. Lay back down. Repeat a few times. Vomit around 2.30. Rinse my mouth, drink water, back to sleep. I woke for a third and final time around 4.30. Thankfully I never threw up again, but realizing I was unlikely to get back to sleep before dawn, I decided there were more productive uses of my time than to even try. I was in no condition to get back on the bike. But I dreaded even more the alternative. I couldn't stay where I was out of fear of my condition continuing to deteriorate. And besides, I'd used up all my water throughout the night, so I had no choice but to get back on the bike. There was a town about 30 miles, 50 kilometers, ahead. A fairly easy half day for me under better conditions. I would put myself up in a cheap motel in that town for the night, and reassess my condition after a proper night's rest. Shortly after dawn, I got to it. I broke down the tent, loaded everything onto the bike, and hiked it back to the road. Get on, start pedaling. And something feels weird right away. It's a flat tire. Just my luck, right? But I had the tools, spare parts, and knowledge to make the repair, so I got to work. In my less than ideal mental state, it took me far longer to repair than it had any right to, and by the time the wheel was back together and holding air, it had started raining. Nothing I could do other than put on my rain jacket, turn on my lights, and just push through it. The words absolute misery don't feel big enough for it, but I don't know how else to summarize that day's ride. I was cold and wet. I was hungry, but didn't want to put too much food into my still upset stomach. I was dehydrated, remember I'd used all my water the night before. And I was tired in every sense of the word, sleep deprived, mentally exhausted, physically aching and sore. Every rotation of the pedals felt like a feat of Herculean strength. And yet, somehow, I continued to find that strength. I eventually made it to the town. First I stopped at a grocery store for some food that would be easy on my stomach, then I went to the motel. I took a long hot shower, called my mom, then slept for 13 hours straight. I woke the next morning feeling great. A light breakfast went down easily, and I decided to get back on the bike. The goal was to make it to Portland, Oregon, where I planned to stay in a hostel for a few nights and explore the city on foot. It would be 60 miles, 100 kilometers, a fairly long day for me even in the best of health. That day went by quite smoothly, but to make a long story short, due in part to some poor judgment on my end, the stomach cramps caught up to me the next day when I was out at a museum. The day after that, I just took a rest day at the hostel, which ended up being a good call, as the food poisoning really came back with a vengeance. Not throwing up this time, but now in the form of diarrhea, I know, but you asked. Thankfully, that got it all out of my system. The next morning I felt great, and after a full day on my feet, I returned to the hostel late that evening still feeling fantastic. In hindsight, 
I'm just thankful the shits waited until I was back in civilization. Throughout that chapter of my life, I had a few incidents that could be described as scary, but usually just in a creepy way. But when it comes to actual, rational fear for my safety, the food poisoning incident has everything else beat by quite a margin.